I can't believe it. You guys are actually here. Paladin Ramsey, Brotherhood of Steel. What's your name, recruit? My name's Jonathan. Outstanding. Good to meet you, Jonathan. Well, welcome to Appalachia. There's quite a few of us who've been waiting a long time hoping you guys would show up. When we arrived yesterday, we saw you guys had been busy. We were surprised to find a forward operating base already so well established on our arrival. Oh yeah, like you said, we've been busy. It took us like two weeks of server events with everyone pitching in to get all the stuff to build it. A what? What's a server event? Oh, uh, nothing. Never mind. It's off topic. Well, we appreciate the welcome. We have a very specific task we were dispatched for. So, uh, can I ask what that task is? Sorry, that's classified. Oh, come on. I've worked with you guys a ton. You can tell me. I even helped you take out the Enclave in D.C. I wasn't aware there was an Enclave in D.C. Who told you this? Oh, crap. That hasn't even happened yet. I forgot. Anyways, look, I'm just curious to what brought you guys here. Some scorched hunting tech? Some old Enclave plasma thingamabob? It's a need-to-know thing. Oh, give me a break. We scrounged up 20 million tons of scrap plastic for your little Ford operating base. The least you can do is tell me something. No, it's not plasma. Is it an animal? We are not playing 20 questions here. Oh my god, you're after something specific, aren't you? Nope, I already said too much. What we picked up is classified. What you picked up? You've already got it? That was fast. Sir, we have the crate. Do you want it loaded up in the vertebrate right now? Yes, and prepare for immediate dust-off. Whoa, you guys are already bailing? We're, uh, simply taking this load of supplies to, uh... Uh Uh-huh. We'll be right back. You are full of crap. This is just supplies necessary to the, uh... You got what you came for, and you're bailing. Why would you think that? We got what we came for. Are we bailing or what? Too loud, Knight. Too loud. Huh. How about that? So you think we came out here for this one item in this crate and we'd just leave you guys high and dry after all you did to prep for our arrival? Yep. What? How dare you? I kind of feel bad, Paladin. These guys spent all that time preparing this place and we're just leaving them high and dry now that we got what we wanted. Bill, we gotta work on your volume, bud. Well, you got what you wanted. So, uh, what's actually in the crate? Uh, weapons? Wait, weapons? Did I grab the wrong crate? Oh, Bill, I'm gonna kill you so much. Uh-huh. Bill, he, he, he's new. What's in the crate, Paladin? You've been super, you really have. Uh, we, we appreciate all you guys have done here. Easy with the crate, Todd. You tripped me. Oh my gosh, you guys are killing me. Oh, now the crate's open. Ah, oh, there we go. I'm looking in the crate. Don't look in the crate. It, it's dangerous. It, it's it's uh, leaking radiation. Wait, it is? Are we going to get sick? Not you. I, I, I mean, ah. I don't care if there's radiation or not. I'm looking in the crate. Don't do it. Let's see what brings the Brotherhood of Steel all the way from California. What? Are you kidding me? This is a Nintendo Switch. No, that that's a very intricate piece of tech for uh, weapons. Uh, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Are you kidding me? This is why you came to Appalachia? For a Nintendo Switch? They're hard to find. Shut up, Knight. Yeah, they're hard to find. This isn't even canon in the Fallout universe. That, that's why it took a while. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, this is great. We stockpile tons of stuff here to build your little base. Do you know how hard it is to find scrap plastic here? Do you know how many runs I did through that high school in Morgantown just to find part of that? And I don't even know how we could find that much considering the oil industry was even tanked before the war. Well, I, uh... It was a bloody miracle we scrounged all that. 
Well, we appreciate it. Oh, I'm sure you do. We all jumped in together so the Brotherhood of Steel could build a house with Tom Nook. That was hurtful. Oh, I I know. You know what you should put in your house to furnish it first? 20 tons of plastic scrap. Because that's how much we all collected to build a landing pad for your two-second visit to the electronics store. We found it in an enclave research facility. Oh, good. Just saying. Does Elder Maxson know you came out here just for a switch? Well, uh... Nah, Animal Crossing's not his thing. He plays Pokemon. Too loud again, Bill. That's it. Take your switch and get the freak out of here. Sorry about how this all played out. Oh, I'm sure you are. Now take Tom Nook here. Is he talking about me? And go back to Cali at your island paradise with the rest of the Brotherhood have still got to buy furniture for my island. Hey, now. And Paladin, you can Advic totally kiss my butt. That was hurtful. Advic totally don't care. Welcome back, everyone, to the 66th episode of Through the Aftermath. Yes, we're still here. We're still doing this almost 12 years later. Yeah, and it's literally through the aftermath. If yeah, you we're literally <laughs> through the aftermath. Who would have known? <laughs> so uh, I'm Sean, and joining me once again is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing good. I I, uh, I don't know. It's such, a, it's such a weird thing. Like last time we talked, it was eight months ago, right, when the, yeah. you know, the pandemic was ramping up and you you know i will say this i mean i don't think anybody really knew where we would all be eight months from then or even conceived of the fact that eight months from then would even happen or you know there's a lot of uncertainty so to be able to say hey we're still here i mean that's that's got to count for something yeah and i think um from what i remember from that episode you know we were kind of going on both sides of it saying you know that it's uh, it's a real thing but uh, it's not a huge deal because that was March. And, and like you said, who would have known that here we are in November and it, you know, it would have gotten so bad. So, Oh, yeah. And it definitely has. I think when we when it first started up, you know, and I, you know, when everybody went on lockdown, we, we were part of that, too. Although it was interesting. We the state of Utah seemed like it was kind of relatively untouched. And then we sort of had this funny flip backwards where having been somewhat untouched compared to states around us kind of made people get bizarre backwards like instead of being like we really need to be careful they kind of went oh we think this has been blown out of proportion and then you had conspiracy theorists and everything and so all of a sudden we ended up with this group of anti-maskers and and it which has been weird and now we're to the point where our cases are exploding because these anti-maskers are convinced that this is all political blah 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 and i'm you know it's funny too they even had a a protest and i was like i'm totally gonna get like a sign they're like you know we don't want to wear masks. I want to be like, I don't want to wear pants then. It's it's more abrasive. And then, you know. So you're an anti-pantser? Uh, I'm an anti-pantser. I'm like, you know, down with pants. And I just see how many people like are like, oh, that's funny. You know, but it, like, it was bizarre. It was kind of a confusing and uh, angering thing to watch people. I mean, everybody's allowed to have an opinion, but to, you know, to have had our cases be kind of low and then have these anti-maskers in the midst of, you know, the nation will like just growing exponentially in cases and have people like down with masks. You know, and I'm not saying people don't have their opinions. It's, you know, there are those who 
have their own reasons for it. But here it was almost like silly. It was almost like we don't see it, so we don't believe it. And it's mm. like, well, come on, man. Like at least do it for the respect of other people. But yeah, yeah. you know. But yeah, we went back. Ended up going back to school in August, and you know, fingers crossed. So far, the schools haven't been where it's booming. It seems to be community spread, like in the household or whatever. Did you notice yeah. that? Like our state has been on the national news a lot lately. No, I haven't. I, I don't really watch the national news that much. Well, and, that, and that's that's understandable because because I had to generally like turn that off as well. We yeah. actually we had our state was on Jimmy Kimmel, and when that happens, you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, what what had happened was they were you know after all the uh, you know George Floyd stuff, I guess we had some people like protesting masks, and it was you know God bless them, they're just some some sheltered people here and and they were trying to piggyback that and it was so funny when we're on the news and and so i'm getting these emails from people going hey uh <laughs> you guys are on the news in all the wrong places i'm like yeah yeah it's just we're through the aftermath and here i am sitting in the hotbed of of insanity but you know <laughs> and now our cases are like going crazy like everybody else's but yeah. you know that being said uh you know hopefully this all finds all of you uh, doing well. Hopefully, you know, God bless. I hope that you haven't, uh, the loss hasn't been uh, bad for most of you. I know, I think the mortality rate ended up being substantially less than they had predicted when we last talked, which, you yeah. know, is a blessing in and of itself, I guess. Yeah, I think that's all we can really say is, you know, no, no matter what view and side you're on, I guess, I'm, I'm putting side in quotes, Um you know, we, we hope that our listeners are keeping safe and, and doing, you know, what needs to be done and just, you know, so that because we need the five of you to keep listening. So, just... <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, and that's and that's true, too. I say, you know, one of the things, you know, he's, like you said, he put side in quotation marks. At the end of the day, we're here, you know, for for you guys and we're we're always going to be supportive if you guys ever need anything. You know, we're we're community as well as. Uh, you know, we have a good community here. I mean, it's yeah. like you said, 12 years now, and we have people who still keep in touch and keep people who've crossed paths with us more than once. And that's what it's all about in the end. Yeah. Wow. 12 years. I had, I had half the kids I have now. I had, I had two kids back then. Now I have four. It's that's right. Yeah. God, when you said, when I said 12, it started to click. I'm like, that's as long as we were all in school. Like that's bizarre to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, well, um, so what have you been up to in the last uh, last eight months? It's been a crazy summer. It has, you know, it's it's been weird. It got like it started out being kind of busy, and then it got insanely busy. Like we, because of my job, you know, we oversee the fleet printers and copiers and everything else. Like I'm the service manager for where I'm at, and we actually oversee Intermountain Healthcare, like all the hospitals. And so we ended up kind of being caught in the middle of all that when things kind of boomed around us like we were right on top of it with that when school started we kind of had to help people move their fleets to their home and you know things like that so it's it got really crazy busy but uh one thing that was kind of cool though i thought i'd throw this out there so i did finally manage to uh get you know most people didn't vacation over the summer i i did kind of have like a slight over the weekend one a couple weeks ago uh and kudos to the state of nevada that everybody down there was wearing their mask and i was that was cool to see that you know you know that it's a state like you know a city like las vegas and yet everybody's wearing their masks and their cases have been lower than ours for that matter so yet they must be doing something right but yeah i actually get this i ended up going to good springs oh nice yeah, and and you know, kudos to Aiken who you know who he's he's been 
through there a couple times and he was telling me about it. Funny enough, he was telling me about this just before the pandemic. And I was like, God, I got to get down there and go figure it out. Cause I'm literally like not even two hours away. Hmm. And you know, they, not only did this, did the little town of good Springs, you know, some cities don't embrace when they're a pop culture icon, hmm. but good Springs did the opposite. They not only embraced it, they, they were like, yes, you know, you can buy shirts that are based off the game and, you can and, and they even have uh, like the snow globes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like you find in the game. Except of course they're not the Fallout guy. They're actually a guy who's one of their founders. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I ended up going down there and uh, yeah, it was a riot. I mean, it's like right out of the game. And uh, wow. so they had the general store and they had and of course it was a little different because they kind of like social distanced everything. But yeah, they had the general store and then they had the saloon, which is this fully working saloon. And then what's funny is the Good Springs sign is exact same Good Springs sign, and and when I we were going to take a picture, I look over and there's this board on the ground that looks almost like garbage. And at first you're like, oh, people litter it. And then I looked at it and it said um, it was like Hail Hail Kaiser. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? And then I look and somebody next to it had spray painted, "You can go home now, courier." And oh. I was like, wait, what? And then my wife, meanwhile, who is like. Why are people littering everywhere? And I'm like, littering. She goes, look over there. And I look up, and on this rock is a bottle, like a, a Coca-Cola bottle, and all these caps just sitting there. And I just freaking lost it. I was like, dude, somebody was doing their freaking homework. Like, they they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, and sure enough, the rock had, you know, had, like, spray painted on it, like, you know, F the, N- F the NCR. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, leave it to, like, us gamers to, like litter a place but have it be like like to canon yeah, but then yeah. they recognized it and left it there because it's canon yeah. you know and so but it was cool i ended up getting like t-shirt and got the snow globe and it was a riot it was it was That's pretty cool. cool the lady there who runs the saloon was like yeah my son plays new vegas and he's just beside himself that that we're in the game and i'm like that's pretty cool man that's you know there's quite a few of us who still hold that that's one of the, one of the best of all. Yeah. So I'm like, you were definitely chosen for the right one. Yeah, yeah. I there was one time when I was out uh, going to Wasteland Weekend, and I had to take a little detour and go through Needles, just because oh, yeah. it's in Wasteland One. And I didn't stay very long. It was just like I'm in Needles. You know that that was it. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, and it's weird how much like a lot of these places, like especially like New Vegas. I mean, for the most part, New Vegas is exactly the real map. Yeah. Uh, Vegas, albeit on a smaller scale. So like Nipton's there, Searchlight, Searchlight Airport. I mean, they're all there. The only place that's a little off kilter is, you know, Novak because it's technically a crossroad and it's not really there. Uh, but, and then Helios One is actually further into California, but everything else is legit. And it was funny. You could even see the canyon as you're going in where the canyon is like all of a sudden red out in the distance. And it hits me. I'm like, wait, that's where the great cons were. I didn't <laughs> know it was like legit red. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And then the other thing was I didn't realize was so, and you know, when you first get out of Good Springs, there's that prison that the Powder Gangers broke out of. And it never dawned to me. I didn't realize there legit was a prison on the other side of I-15. I was thinking it was somehow a play off the prison up in North Las Vegas. So when I got down there, I'm like, wait, there is a, there is a prison down here, like literally on the other side of the road. <laughs> and then there's the little like, don't pick up hitchhikers. They could be prisoners. I'm like, that's in the game. <laughs> like, What? Yeah, it was it was hilarious. Meanwhile, you know, my wife's rolling her eyes, but you know, my kids and me are all geeking out. Like yeah. Paulie, my son Paulie's like, "Holy crap, dude! Everything's there!" <laughs> it was so really cool. cool. They 
they're an awesome group of people out there. If you ever get a chance, if you ever going through on your way to California, it's it's literally like about 10, 15 minutes down the road, uh, right before you get to Prim, and oh. yeah, really nice people. Oh, that's cool. So what else? Anything? Uh, and you've been keeping safe and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you know trying to. It's we've definitely had to make a lot of changes here just because we do cross paths with the hospital so much. But so the COVID stuff, we've definitely had to you know, be on top of that. We've been fortunate. Nobody, you know, we've had some people in our company get it, but not the kind that kind of brought it back to everybody and had to quarantine the whole, you know, office or anything like that. But, yeah. you know, you know, God bless. I mean, hopefully, you know, everybody I've known who's gotten it's done pretty well with it. It's been a little brutal in some places, but fortunately hasn't been too bad other than, you know, a buddy of mine, his aunt and uncle back in Detroit, they they didn't make it through. It was no. they had a really rough time with it, which is which is awful stuff. But yeah. yeah, other than that, yeah, just trying to. Seems like everybody's kind of on the same page. It's amazing how games were a very good psychological outlet for a lot of people, and it seems like a lot of the teenagers, you know, people were talking like, oh, the games and stuff like that, and then afterward they're like, well, the gamer kids seem to do fine. You know, it's like, well, there's something to be said for escapism in in key places. You know. Yeah. But I think that says a lot for the communities too. You know, gaming communities—they're very tight. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it's—it is strange. I think no one would have predicted that the the viewing of of pandemic movies has actually gone up. And I've been doing a lot of research on this lately for my job. But the uh, post-apocalyptic mobile games have risen in popularity, like doubled in popularity since March. No kidding. Yeah, so people are just playing way more of this, like getting more interested in it. And it's just, it's kind of weird that you would think they'd want to escape it, but they're, I guess we're just at that point now where they're just wanting to find out more about it. You know, a lot of people don't know and they're like, oh, let's find out what this is about. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense. It's interesting because you see it in some places where, um, Oh, what game was it on Steam where they actually had to make a... They would got ended up getting banned in... It was like... I think it was like a pandemic game, but it ended up getting banned in China because people were like using it like science and they were... The company was actually like, whoa, 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 we're not a legit model. It's just oh, a yeah. game. Yeah, that was uh, Plague Incorporated, I think. Plague Incorporated, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, I just wrote about that, actually. They they had to, yeah, they had to write a disclaimer saying, we are not a scientific model, we're a game. And it's like <laughs> yeah. People were playing it like they were going to predict the, how it all played out. It, it, you know, and it's sad, too, because then meanwhile, you've got The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand, coming out yeah. on CBS here in next month. Oh, yeah. And they actually had to push farther back for the fear because they were like, Oh geez, you know this isn't the kind of publicity we were hoping for. But I'm like, well, you guys' marketing is unbelievable. I'm gonna tell you, but uh, yeah. it was kind of funny because you go through Vegas on the way through, and I, I was down there when they first shut down, and it was it was it was like the stand because they were actually boarding up casinos because they don't shut the doors on casinos; they don't lock. They never have been built to lock, so they literally had to board them. Wow. And here we are passing passing the Plaza Hotel down there, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's where Randall Flagg was. <laughs> That's where he is, apparently, right now. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting that all that stuff kind of boomed the way it did. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, like you said, you know, The Stand is coming out in December. Um, there's a couple more. Uh, there's, like, a lot of people have been kind of – some of it's been coincidental. And, and, you know, the post-apocalyptic stuff that just kind of came out. It was filmed before, last year, but it's just coming out now. But the stuff that was filming – you know, in March and February, they've all had to put that on on hold. And, 
you know, stuff like Raised by Wolves was filmed last year and it, it came out this year. That's, you know, a great, great show. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's almost like, though, with the ones that had, were in the middle of filming. I mean, you remember when 9-11 happened and there were a lot oh, of yeah. uh, f- there were a couple of films that actually had to stop and go back and digitally remove the Twin Towers. Uh, yeah, Time Machine was one of them. Yeah, yeah, Time Machine. I th- wasn't there a Spider-Man one, too, I think? Yeah, they had to take the Twin Towers out of that one, and then yeah. there was actually a movie, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie got like almost like glossed over because it was about terrorism, and they literally had to like drop half the story because it was too close. Yeah, it, it just reminds me of that. You know, where at that time, it was like too soon, and they had to go back and fix a lot of stuff. Well, they're doing the, kind of the same thing now. They're trying to be a little more sensitive because so many people are dying, you know, and and, and so people yeah. are are taking out uh, kind of like like lighthearted references to a pandemic. You know, they're like, you know, got to tone that back a little bit. So it's interesting yeah. to see how things are changing like that. Well, and even games like The Division 2, you almost hurt for them because The Division 2, honestly, has been like an absolute blast to play. And then here comes this pandemic and you could tell that people were, you know, would you, it, what were the odds that you were going to be running around in D.C. during a pandemic after it's abandoned? And you could just tell, like, morale-wise, that people were just drifting away from it because it was just not conducive to the world we were in. And it, I felt so bad for those devs because they're like, oh, great. And then we do our expansion in New York. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a bummer, too, because the game is fantastic. And uh, But, yeah, even I kind of took a break from that, like, like, yeah, it is a little bit uh, on the eerie side just because it's a lot of it's to scale and just a little bit like, whoa, that's nobody wanted to think that was the world we were going to be playing in for a minute there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, all things considered, I mean, you know, I, I, I do consider, consider us blessed because I think when we were, you know, eight months ago, I think things were projected to be a lot worse. And, you know, even though they're as awful as they are, I, I you know, we try to be a little more on the optimistic side and say, hey, you know, we, I think for a minute there, we were kind of worried <laughs> where, where we're going to be, you know, like even six months from now. So it'd be eight months from now and still be talking and, you know, yeah. still doing relatively well. I think that that's, uh, you know, we should be grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, and like I mentioned, you know, kind of the biggest thing I've been up to in the last eight months has been my job. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it on the last one where I got a job. Uh, I was writing for postapocalypticmedia.com. I've been doing that for about a year and eight, nine months now. Yeah. But I think last time we recorded, I mentioned that I was doing it. Well, now they, you know, they've kind of upped my uh, involvement, and I'm now I have a title now. I'm senior editor. So, oh. so it's like a, it's like a thing. It's an actual thing. It's not just like wow. contributing to it. So, so I'm happy because it's been a long time since I've been like professionally writing, you know, and, and since massively, you know. Yeah, since uh, massively. I was so, just going to say that. Yeah, so I mean, if any, you know, anyone who's followed me since the beginning knows that that's, I used to, you know, write for a living. Now it's kind of getting back into that. And and it, it has me really excited. And especially considering the fact that it's, it's post-apocalyptic. And it's uh, basically, I'm doing the same thing I did at Massively instead of, except instead of looking for game news, now I'm looking for anything to do with post-apocalyptic. And it's it's kind of a ripe time, you know, with, with movies and and TV shows and comic books and games and, you know, everything oh, yeah. is just blowing up. And it's just good. It's kind of incredible how everything is. It, it, again, it's, it's back to massively. 
at that time when I wrote for Massively, everything was MMO. You know, people would right. make a game and they would have a, a, a four-player co-op and they would call it an MMO. And we'd have to be like, uh, no, that's not. So now I'm kind of doing that with the post-apocalyptic stuff. I'll see something that's like Dune. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, if you if you look at it from this timeline and, you know, this perspective, it is post-apocalyptic. And, uh, you know, it's... People could argue about that all day, but uh, so yeah. it, it's just funny that I'm kind of getting into that that same uh, rhythm, you know, and and it has me really excited to get back into it. So that's that's basically been taking up um, all of my time, um, you know, f- for this summer since the last time we talked. And of course, I've been doing um, well. I've, I've ho- I homeschool the kids and oh, my wow. two youngest, and I think I mentioned that before in here. But it's funny because now all of a sudden everyone is homeschooling and but but you know I have to say one thing this is such a nitpicky thing for me and I think people are going to roll their eyes at this but when I get someone who's like yeah yeah we're homeschooling now too you know we get on zoom and and the teacher talks and and they give assignments and I'm like that's not homeschooling that's (laughs) that's distance (laughs) learning that's completely different you know you didn't make up your own curriculum and you didn't you know, you're not teaching every subject. You're sitting your kid down in front of a computer, and that's completely different. Yeah, it's it's trickier than it looks. It really is. Yeah. So, but I, I love it. I love homeschooling, and uh, we I I've been doing a lot of funny things. Like we have a um, a, a trailer. This is going to sound. I mean, I'm, I live in Alabama. This is going to sound so Alabama. I have a trailer that I've converted into a, a homeschool room. And it's kind of, we go out there when we want to do school. So this trailer is powered by solar. I have a, a solar panels for it, so it's completely off grid. And it's kind of my working up to getting the house ready for off grid. You know, I, that's my yeah. ultimate goal. So right now we have this trailer out there that's, that's um, you know, it it's kind of our off grid testing thing. And, we, you know, we've had tornadoes come through and stuff like that that have knocked out the power for a while and it's nice to have that out there so that if you know if we ever needed to we'd go out there and unless it gets blown away by the tornado then that's a totally different story (laughs) (laughs) but you know i mean like getting getting set up with uh, more and more off-grid and and uh i've just always been into that you know living on a farm and and growing my own food and doing all that kind of stuff and now i'm finally able to do kind of move toward that uh off-grid thing so that's awesome. It's been no, fun. and your timing is perfect. I mean, the whole homeschool off-grid thing. I mean, I think even uh, Rob at work was like, so uh, tell me again about his being off-grid. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we were like, we were, we were like, well, if all else fails, we can always uh, get the get the old group back together, I guess, you know? Yeah. But <laughs> no, that's cool, though. That's, that's awesome. I know they've, you know, here they've actually gone back to school. And, you know, it's interesting. You see people on kind of both sides of the ladder, like not digging it, but... You know, I I know the kids they they've liked being back to school, but I yeah. know there's quite a few people that are like, ah, forget it, man. We're doing the homeschool for now. Yeah. Just just till things get a little bit better, and you know, here's to hoping that's not too far away. Yeah, I just think it's funny. You know, my my friends from because you know I grew up in Chicago, and my friends from back home are like, wait, you so you move to Alabama and you homeschool your kids? Like, uh, well, you know, you're, you're you've completely lost it. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And now. <laughs> They're like, hey, so I have some questions about uh, this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> about this homeschool thing. I don't know. It's just funny. It's it, things have really changed. You know, the the opinion of homeschooling has changed quite a bit in the last eight months, and it's been crazy. Get, I've been getting a lot of questions, so it's been fun. 
Well, and that's the one thing I think is an interesting thing is, you know, one of the things we've done as we talk about, you know, post-apocalyptic stuff, you know, we do talk about emergency preparedness. And one of the things I get, you know, I get a lot of questions because I was doing those emergency preparedness classes and yeah. people would ask me like, you know, I think they, it's funny. They'd ask me like, you're going to do those classes again? And I would joke with them like, oh, you're too late now. I, you, you should have been in it, you know. But no, I, I always tell people, I say, you know, if there's one thing I tell people, it's like, hey, look, you know what? We're going to get through this. It's we're going to we're going to get there. But in the meantime, there's nothing wrong. I mean, we've learned a lot about psychology, and we've learned a lot about our own weaknesses and how where you know maybe there's places where you find yourself a little more short-tempered or easier triggered or things that gave you anxiety more than you realize because we did we got knocked out of our comfort zones in every possible way and i tell people like you know keep in mind where it happened because you know it's it's as far as preparedness goes if hey if you find yourself being the guy who is like crap the you know at the beginning the supermarkets are running out of stuff i don't know what i'm gonna do Hmm. keep that in mind you know write that down and you know Hopefully, you're able to use this to find places where, you know, maybe at the end of this, you found that you spent more time with your family or that you realized, crap, you know, I was at work so much and maybe now I took a little more of a glimpse at the things that were important or, um, you know, and, and, and if anything, maybe you find out that you were made of stronger stuff than you thought. I know a lot of people back east, especially in New York and Detroit now in those places, I mean... That was a pretty spooky start to everything, and that that was a pretty creepy place to be at the time. And you know, kudos to the people who were right in the middle of that and kept their head up. I mean, you're a lot stronger than I think you probably gave yourself credit for. So yeah, we can all we can all definitely learn lessons coming out of this of you know what to do next time should it ever happen again. Yeah, look at you dropping the truth bombs. <laughs> I know it's like well, and that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the joke here would be like, all right, enough about that. Let's go to the fallout. No, um, yeah. <laughs> and now for the real news. <laughs> and now for the, yeah, exactly. Now the real stuff. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we do have a topic, a main topic. We wanted to talk about Fallout 76. Now, the funny thing about this is it's been out for a few years, and I just started playing it. I think we've done quite a few episodes where you've asked me, you know, did you start playing 76 yet? And I'm like, well, no. And the biggest reason was I didn't have a computer that would run it. And now I actually do. I, I've had a lap, just a laptop for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so now I have a, a new computer. So I said, you know what? First thing I'm going to get, well, I actually bought 76 before. I just never played it. So I said, the first thing I'm going to play from my Steam account that I can actually play, you know, for real is, is Fallout 76. So about a month ago, some friends and I, we jumped on and they'd all played it. Well, most of them played it before. And so we've, we're kind of, you know, at least for me, it's it's a new experience. And uh, what's funny about it is I, I really enjoy it. I'm having a lot of fun in it. I think it's a lot of fun to uh, to play basically, you know, a Fallout 4-ish type game, but with, with friends, you know, and that's kind of always been, uh, a, you know, just something that I've wanted to do. And But when I tell people like Jonathan that, Jonathan's like, you know, I've been through, I've been through the bad times also, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the bad times. So that's why we wanted to talk about it here and, and kind of talk about the changes that uh, th- that are out now versus kind of what, you know the way it was at launch, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, this game, it's funny, I've been playing since beta, which funny enough is like literally almost two years, almost right on right on cue. I think it was literally almost to the, the week um, when they yeah. first came out. With it. And it's really the nice thing about it when it came out even in beta was that was actually when I was probably at the worst, you know, the last two years when I was super, super sick. And it was always seeming to be around Christmas. That that year they came out, 
Um, I was at a really, really mental low point just because I was so sick and on antibiotics so much. They were literally making me sick to the point where I thought I was going to die. Mm. And I just couldn't get the infection gone. They would put me back on them. And I, like day to day, it was just getting worse and worse. And then here comes Fallout 76. And even for as as rough of a launch as it was, um, you know, I still give it a lot of credit even back then because it kind of kept me sane was that sort of shining light to kind of get me through to the other side. And what's funny is, you know, you got blessed Bethesda for, for they, they, they tried something new. Um, but it was interesting because they definitely made a lot of mistakes that, you know, we, you know, a lot of our community and you and I, I mean, we come from the MMO world. And so we watched mistakes get made over and over, watch companies come and go. And then we watched Bethesda come in and do in a multiplayer game. And when they start making some of the same mistakes and you're going, guys, guys, come on. Like your beta test is one week long, you know? And, and I think what it was, there was, there was a lot of stuff back then that was really ridiculous. Not the least of which, like, I know a lot of people are critical of it and we're going to kind of start from there. Like, I know a lot of people are critical of their, the place that they chose. Um, Truth be told, I, I have never really had too much of a problem with it. I think that they picked a place that was somewhere where they could kind of show the beauty of, you know, West Virginia. And yeah, it would have been nice to have a smashed city. And uh, you kind of hope that they'll go there soon. Um, and it sounds like they're even kind of leaning towards there will be other locations. But, you know, they did a primarily a rural area. And I think at the beginning, they had given us this wonderful sandbox in their minds. That, hey, here's this sandbox. Go play in it. And the other, the unfortunate thing is we were coming from Fallout and us Fallout fans were fanatics and we have our thing that we like. And so when we got this game, we were kind of like, huh, because there were, you know, in typical Bethesda fashion, there aren't always a lot of things explained very well. And we had literally had this game thrown at us where we suddenly had all these, uh, you know, game elements where we actually had no idea what they were like wait okay so i'm building a camp okay that's cool i really like this wait a minute what's what's a public camp why are we building public camps why are there these these spots around the map that we have to build into what's the point of that and it kind of took a while for things to kind of click and back then they had they had made a very large mistake and one of the things they had done because let's be honest when we play these games one of the funnest most interesting things is your camp I mean, yeah. that's what half the stuff in the Atom Store is, half the stuff you're unlocking. You get to see people just doing some amazing stuff with their camps. Well, back then, there were no player vendors. So why do I care that yeah. I'm going to go to your camp? Why? And then on top of that, um, your budget was super low. So you couldn't really build anything past a point. And then worst of all, your uh, I think when they first started, your storage bank, your, your storage chest was literally like like a quarter of what it is now. And so you barely had any room for anything. And and so it was just like, wait, what are you guys doing? And then on top of that, there were little quality of life things that didn't make sense. Like, you know, when you whenever you got a uh, recipe or a plan, now it'll say you already know it. Back then, you, you'd go buy all these plans because there were hundreds of them. And you'd be like, oh, I, apparently I just paid money for one I already knew. That's great. Hmm. And so, and then my personal favorite, the, somehow in, along the way, somebody glitched it. And I'd love to know who that was. Um, the uh, uh, lock picks. Somebody made them so they were a pound. Yeah. <laughs> like literally. And, and, and over time, you know, things got to improve. Things got better. They kind of fixed things up here and there. They started fixing a lot of the bugs. Um, it wasn't as ridiculous at times. One of the things I learned 
early on, and I, I don't know if you guys do this as well, one of the things I learned really quick was that there was that functionality with the voice chat where it's either you know open world or friends. And if it's yeah. friends, you can hear each other and no one else, but if you have an open world, which is default, you can hear everybody nearby. And I remember being in the, the vault for the first time coming out, and I could hear a guy, and he must have been streaming, because he was like, yeah, I'm in the vault right now, uh, and I'm coming out through this part here. And we were just starting to crack up, because we're like, who is that guy? And all of a sudden, some other guy who must have been by me somewhere is like, dude, will you shut up? And this guy gets really quiet, and he just goes, hello? <laughs> and we were cracking up, because it was just like literally like, are we really coming out of the vault for real here? But um, one of the things that they had done, and this was kind of the sad part, one of the design decisions that you had seen in it was there were no humans. And at the time, you, you, you did, the overseer was gone. You were following her trail to find out what happened, which led up to kind of some stuff that happens. I won't go into story, story spoilers, but the idea was that the main quest was essentially a grand tutorial that took you around the map and got you acclimated. And by the end of the map, you were affiliated with four factions, all of whom were, were, you know, you're trying to figure out what happened because that's one of the things that becomes clear from the beginning is where all the humans go. Well, and then the only interaction you have is with robot vendors. Um, and people obviously didn't like that because there was something Fallout, you know, part of Fallout's been the stories, it's the interactions with people. I, I didn't mind it too much, but I will say people are like, well, what was it like to play back when there wasn't any... NPCs, and I'm like, well, if you, if you ever go to Walmart, go into the electronics section and try to get somebody to open up the cabinet, and that <laughs> is what it was like to play Fallout when it first started. Um, and then, <laughs> and you know, kudos to the devs. They they never intended to add NPCs, but um, and it's funny. I don't know if you caught this. One of the things that Pete Hines was talking about is they asked him straight up. They said, when you guys launched the game, and you heard it just went insane. Like people were just going, what is this crap? Um, and I think people were a little harsh, but I understand, you know, the, the, we were, we were a little bit frustrated. Well, Pete Hines described it. He goes, yeah, but when we saw the ratings, he goes, one of the guys literally looked at him and they made that, that thing that he, uh, they do in Ghostbusters when they're the, they're about to shut off the containment unit. And he yeah. does that boom thing. He literally looked at the guy and went boom. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we knew at that moment that we had a problem we had to fix. And one of the things they asked him, they said, were, were you guys ever thinking, well, that's it, we're done? And he goes, no, we, we had prepared for that. We, we knew we were biting off more we could chew. And that was part of the contingency was we had the funds and the ability to keep going. And um, But in that year, I mean, for them to put together this backstory about why people came back to Appalachia and then to bring the you know, when that when that came out, the, all of a sudden, here comes the overseer again. Like, we finally get to see her. And we're like, oh, hello. What are you doing here, you know? And now we got Brotherhood of Steel coming in, and which is the storyline. I mean, let's be honest. This is the These events are the stuff that we've been waiting for. Yeah. Um, and it definitely feels much, much more like a Fallout game. And, yeah, you still don't have, you know, your destroyed DC, but with, you know, a lot of the... Um, activities they can do that are instanced um, and the instancing technology that came with wastelands now um, it's not hard for them to just say okay well we we helicopter you to an area that's in dc and all of a sudden you're in an instanced area that could be the city but it's not necessarily part of the same map hmm. yeah. um, and so there's definitely a lot of potential and then um, so you're coming in honestly in my opinion probably the pristine time to start playing because not only are the bugs I mean, there's always going to be bugs. Somebody will always 
meme the whole it just works Todd Howard thing. But um, and I won't lie, if if the game if there was a Bethesda game that was 100% perfect with no bugs, I'd be disappointed. I I've got to have a guy fly up in the air occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, what's your been your experience so far? I mean, coming from your side, having played Fallout, the other Fallout games, and jumping in now, what what has it felt like for you? Well, um, I you know. Honestly, I was expecting it to be worse because of that initial feedback. Even though I heard a lot of people say that it did improve quite a bit uh, in the last, you know, probably year or whatever. And but I, I think the biggest thing is I, I, I really like it. You know, and I, I, I know that's kind of basic, but um, the camp thing is great. I've, I haven't played with it too much with my own. I have a friend who built up his, uh, you know, really big, and we play on a private server. So, you know, so when we join him, we we just pretty much hang out in his camp, yeah. and then we use all of his facilities and everything like that. And mine's kind of off to the side, and it's just like a box with, a, you know, a couple uh, turrets around it at yeah, this yeah. point. But, uh, you know, so I haven't explored my own very much, but I've I've played with that with his and with what you know the facility he has available which i really really enjoy um there are a couple things that we run into while we're playing and i think the biggest thing is quest sharing in a group is just horrendous you know where where you have to say you have to view a computer you each have to do it individually or when you talk to an npc you each have to do it individually and you have to you know kind of go through the motions with each person through all the dialogue trees and everything and there are there is a way where you can help the leader the team leader but i think only one person can do that so i don't know we've been struggling with that we 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 make the joke where we run into that and we're like yep 2020 it's 2020 (laughs) they haven't solved this yet you know and it's it's a little frustrating i it's it's funny because it's like coming from a game development company who works on single player games. It's not coming from an MMO company, right. you know. And right. I think that's the biggest thing. Is we're expecting MMO uh, game mechanics where one person, you know, the team leader can do something. And I and you know there were other games like I think Guild Wars is like that too, where um, the original one where each person would you know the team leader would would have to everybody would go in and do it, but then it would it would win that battle for the team leader and that was it. So then right. you'd have to switch around the team like leader. Like Borderlands did. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you'd switch that around and then you'd, you know, hey, who needs it next, you know? And it's kind of frustrating. But again, that was 2005 when that game came out. You know, that was a long time ago. So we, we like to joke about that part of it. But other than that, I think we're we're all really enjoying it. You know, the just everything about uh, being able to do things together, I'm not having any lag issues. I'm not having any anything like that that I think people had at the beginning. But um, right. Other than that, you know, that it's been great. I like it. Well, and there and there's been like a lot of quality of life things. I think you know there was disconnection issues at the beginning. One yeah. of the things there are places that are still a little bit muddled. One of the things that I think, and this is actually the part where my head fell the hardest, um, when they first released the Fallout First subscription. And it's funny because that one made my head fall because I knew what they were trying to say at the time of, because I've been paying attention, Mm -hmm. but what they said and what they were trying to portray, I'm almost like, God, who is your guy in charge of writing this? And it can't be Pete Hines because when they first released that, I literally had people at work who don't play Fallout going, what's up with Bethesda having to charge a subscription now? And then people like for private servers. and, And I think one of the biggest problem was, again, we're coming from the Fallout 
games and yeah. what they needed to do was differentiate. Okay, we know when we you think private servers, you're going to mod the thing. You're going to build your own server. And rather than come out and say that, they were kind of coming from this point of view of, like, it was almost like a little explanation could have gone a long way. Like, if, even if it's a thing where, like, look, it takes a server farm to run us to, to run your world. We're, you know, rather than give this to you because you don't have the ability to do it, we're going to spin these servers up for you personally in your area, you know, and you can control who goes in and out. And then on top of that, you know, for the amount you pay, we're going to give you atoms. And once you kind of got the hint that they weren't just, you know, trying to give differential treatment, it really was kind of, uh, you know, similar to like, they almost sort of just said, hey, yeah, it's similar to what they do in Elder Scrolls Online, hmm. where you get your monthly amount of coins or whatever, and then you have access to all the stuff. Only in this case, you know, you get a server that's all yours as well. Well, they didn't explain what that was. They didn't know. We thought they were talking about modding. And then on top of that, your, your control, you know, people think private servers, they're like, oh, I get to control everything, right? Well, no, you don't. You get to con you, you get an open world that's yours, but you really don't get a lot of control. Yeah. Okay, well, it would have been good to know that at the beginning because when it finally came out and they explained it, it was almost this like confusing smack in the head on top of what they had already done. And once you kind of get the hang of what they're trying to do, um, it made a lot more sense because people like, you, you have to pay a subscription just to get this special box that makes it so you have unlimited space to drop your junk? And, wow, that sounded really messed up out loud. I probably should have worded that better. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. Now, um, well, if you think about it, in Elder Scrolls Online, it's very similar. All your extra stuff, your resources, are either going to sit in your bank or they're going to go into this separate box. Well, that's the same thing. And for people who play it constantly, the box itself you know, it's a separate section for all the stuff you break down that has nothing to do with your your normal chest. Hey, I was fine with that. Yeah. I, I was okay with that. And then on top of that, you know, to have a private server where me and eight friends can jump on, I've actually never blinked and never looked back because at the end of the day, you're getting the same amount of money back in atoms that you were going to pay for the subscription and you were going to buy that stuff anyway. Yeah. And if you're somebody who wasn't going to buy the stuff, maybe not. But see, again... At the beginning, it, it was. It was a bizarre turn of events. And I kept thinking, God, you guys, your problem is you just, and, and maybe it was Zenimax at the time, like, it just felt like nobody was communicating. Yeah. And, yeah. and you jump forward, and there's all these quality of life changes, little things here and there that have changed. You know, the game is much more stable. You have a much better interface. I mean, there's some of the old little glitches here and there, but there was stuff that would happen back then that would just make you bang your head on the wall, and it just seemed like, God, are you guys even listening or what? Yeah. Um, I know one of the glitches I would run into um, is you would be sitting there like shooting a guy with a gun and all of a sudden their bar would just go back up to the top again. And you're like, wait, I'm killing this guy. What happened? And there was a glitch that would happen until you logged out where the enemy wouldn't register your gunfire anymore. And suddenly he would just top back off again like you healed him. No. And I remember thinking like, okay, when I'm in a nuke silo, that is not the good time to do that. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, the other thing that we ran into back then when we first started, um, there were, you know, there's, I don't know how far into the game you got, but you've got different factions in the train stations around the yeah. uh, Appalachia Valley. I mean, you've got, you know, the Raiders, you got the first responders. Well, each train station, a couple of them were each manned by the robots for that faction. And back then, they were capped out at, I think, like three or 400 caps total per day. And so... Each one had their own cap stash, so you literally, to sell stuff, you had to go bouncing around to each uh, uh, train station to sell, but if you had something that was, say, 400 caps, he wouldn't buy it. 
because yeah. you can't lower the amount. He just wouldn't buy it outright. And so that was irritating. So what they finally did was they took all the factions, mashed them all together into one giant pool of money of 1400 now, and you can go to any of them and it'll still pull from the same pool. Oh, okay. And then on top of that, um, once you get to... Have you gotten to the White Springs yet? No, not yet. Okay, there. well, you as you, you probably knew from the... The commercials, like the Greenbrier Hotel is in it. They oh. they ended up making it so that, you know, some of these factions, there was an easy place to go to be able to visit these robots without having to spend all your money jumping around, piggybacking everything. Yeah. Um, my only complaint right now is the the radio stations. Um, I You know, there's, there's Rose, who's on one of the radio stations, who's one of the raiders, and her voice is like, I'm like, dude, going from Tiny Tina to her is like... I feel like I went to like listening to Bruce Springsteen and turned on Tiny Tim afterwards. Like, like God, please kill me now. But that, I mean, and then the regular radio station's good, but it just doesn't have anything memorable. And I'm like, God, you really miss Travis from Four or Three Dog. You know, it's like, God, you guys yeah. need to get a a real guy in there. But uh, you know, all things considered, I mean, the the quality of life changes they made are it made it a lot more playable. The the events. I think are a lot cooler. I love, have you gotten a chance to play any of the events yet? Yeah, yeah, we've done a couple of them, yeah. Did, did you do the Meat Week one? Uh, the one called Meat Week? No, I don't think so. We did one at a racetrack. Um, we're, we're still really, like we're level 11 and 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're not very far. Yeah, because what you have, you've got your minor events, which will pop up randomly on the map. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those ones are, will be like your, you know, uh, they'll call you in to do something like, you know, the one at the agricultural center, all the Mr. Handys went crazy, you know. Then there's the larger scale ones, which are ones where, like, if somebody nukes an area, they bring out, like, they, they, they bring out a boss and then they have to, and I'm being careful how I wear this, but they bring out a boss and everybody fights. That might be a major one, but then they have actual timed events, like for Halloween, or but oh, they, yeah. they have, like, Faschnacht, which is, like, uh, that, that, that German... I'm, I'm, it might be Swiss or German. Um, Helvetia in the game. I guess it's a real city in Appalachia, and they actually have a parade oh. called the Faschnacht Parade. That's got to be German. I mean, yeah. just offended every German person out there. Like, that's us, man. <laughs> um, but, you know, these, these, and then they're going to have one coming up for um, Christmas. And so those events are a lot of fun. They've done a really good job on those. And then the, those uh, daily ops where you can go in instance areas and fight stuff like that um like you'll actually have a mission to go defend a point those are pretty cool oh geez and i'm forgetting the main one um the biggest reason why you're coming in at the, the right point is because of the one wasteland patch they did which made it so that no matter what level you are and it's genius i'm surprised every game doesn't do this did, did, did you ever catch how that stuff works how no. the game level matches so what's happening is it used to be that you'd start out in the forest and then just like MMO, typical MMOs, you'd move around the map and it would be like level 5 to 10, level 10 to 20. Yeah, yeah. And the Cranberry Bog was where everybody was when they were level 50 on up. And that's where everybody kind of bunched up because why would you go back to other areas unless you were after something? Well, what they did was they introduced what they had done in Elder Scrolls Online, which is when I see, if I'm level... You know, in this game, being level 200 really is kind of arbitrary. You still only have a max of perk, or not perk points, but special points. It just means that I have more cards to choose from that I can swap in and out of my perk list. Mm -hmm. um, 
But if I'm level 200, um, and and you're level 5, and we both see an enemy, let's say we see a super mutant, I'm going to see an enemy who's my level, and you're going to see an, an enemy more your level. And when you hit him, you're going to be hitting him for substantially less, but he's going to be hitting you for substantially less than he's hitting me. Oh. So from both our points of view, we're seeing an equal level guy. So we can group up together and not have to worry about, oh, crap, you know, the game doesn't have to, like, shift your level up or down. It's just going to make it so your guy interacts with him differently than my guy does. Oh. Which, in retrospect, I'm like, God, every MMO should have figured that out back then. Because yeah. that is the biggest flaw, is everybody ending up, like, how do you introduce new content? Well, that's why Elder Scrolls Online is so interesting, is because whether you're starting out or what, you can go right to the new area, because the game is going to level shift your stuff to you. No matter if you're going to the new area in Skyrim or going to Morrowind, you're going to see what's adequate to your level. So if I go back to an area like in the forest now, I'm going to see enemies higher level like me, even though it's a tech, it used to be a, high, a low level area, and I'm going to get loot more towards my guy's style than you would. Yeah. Well, that, And so yeah. it became a playground. It was the one thing missing. That makes sense. You know, and I think a lot of older MMOs, like I, I started playing Lord of the Rings Online again recently, and I think one thing that they do as a patch to try to fix the fact that they have so much content later is they just they just boost you through that beginning area. And and like Guild Wars 2 does that too. They they give you yeah. drops that basically make you level 60, you know, and, and I understand why they're doing that. And, and like World of Warcraft is starting to do that. But you're missing out on some great content. Like in, in Lord of the Rings oh, Online, yeah. you're missing out on the Shire, which is an amazing area for playing some that game. Some of the best stuff yeah. is the low-level stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it kind of sucks that they you know they want you to play that later content, but at the same time, you're missing. So we, with this, the way you're describing this, sounds like they've kind of solved that, where you could go back and play anything with anyone else, and that it'll scale the, the, you know, the enemy. So that's a great idea. Well, and it's so funny because it was one of those ideas where when it kind of hit me, and it was funny, I didn't understand it till I saw a dev explain it because I never understood what they were doing. But when it hit me what they were doing, I was like, that's so stinking genius. I'm surprised nobody thought of that sooner. Like literally, as the game is attacking, the monster is attacking you, he's going to attack you and take your level into account. And it hit you for substantially less than he would hit me being higher level. And yet, I'm under the hood, the math has got to be a nightmare to balance. But once you get it balanced... You don't run into that problem you do with MMOs where everybody bunches up into the later areas and empties the beginning areas. Now I can go back. Some of the most cool areas, like one of my favorite areas, like, you know, was where the vault University is. Well, I was only there for a quick time, and then I was out to the next area, and why go back? Yeah. Unless I was going on, like, a run for certain kind of stuff at the, you know, oh, I need plastic. I'm going back to the high school. But then you'd walk in, and you'd practically one-shot the whole place. And it got kind of irritating because it's like, well, that's no fun. What's the point then? Well, now I go in and I see level 50 guys. Yeah. Um, and, and if, you know, if you're coming with, usually when my son, he'd come with me down the Cranberry Bog, he was like level 30 and he, all of a sudden here comes like a level 90, like Scorch Beast and he's dead. And he would be like, well, that sucks, you yeah. know, but now everything like matches back up. And so now, you don't you're, you're seeing it, you know, people are jumping in no matter what level they are, and people are like, oh, hey, somebody got nuked. Let's go run out there and let's go see what's going on. And that, that was the only other part I think that was a little tricky was trying to understand what I didn't understand the first time was like, why do I 
you know, what's up with the nukes? And I mean, I knew that it changed an area, but once I kind of understood that, okay, when you nuke an area, it changes not only the monsters, but the drops and the plants, what they become are used for high level stuff. Then it was like, oh, okay, but nobody explains this to you. You almost have to buy a guide to figure it out and, you know, a little more of a tutorial. And I think they would have, you know, been able to keep that initial launch a little better. But, you know, it's funny. You you look on now, when that Steam game, when that game came out on Steam just recently, that was going to be the kicker. Okay, Wastelanders is out. This is going to be the honest thing because, you know, people, if, if any game, I mean, great games on Steam have gotten pummeled. Yeah. For because haters. Well, you look at it and the game was very positive. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I think, you know, and for what it's worth, I mean, I hate to think that the pandemic kind of mellowed the world out a little bit. Maybe it did. Maybe people kind of, you know, 2019 was a pretty hater year. Hmm. Maybe 2020 was kind of what brought it down, but it seemed like we had a lot of people jumping in and it was a much better game. And so people were suddenly like, okay, you know what? This is a good game. I actually like it now. And um, now it feels like. One thing I think is cool too. I was this kind of side thought. I keep jumping around here, but one of the things that I remember we were a little confused at is where's the text chat? Like, why do you guys not have a text chat? Uh, well, in retrospect, what's interesting is you. So I'm assuming when you play with your buddies, you're probably playing it on like a headset, yeah. or if you aren't, you're playing it like in proximity, so you can only hear each other. Yeah. Well, because there's no one talking, and the emotes are there, and there's plenty. It's interesting how because there's no chat and no talking. There's no toxicity the same. I don't uh, I, I don't think I've ever been PvP'd by a jerk or something. Like people for the most part, what's the point of messing with you if, unless you you know, so what you see is a lot of people jumping in to help people, giving them a thumbs up. Um, but you're not seeing that toxic hate happening in the chats all the time. And so in an interesting way, and I don't think I mean, every MMO could do it, but in an interesting way, this game kind of figured out a way to keep it lower key. Hmm. And then on top of that, you know, what, you have twenty people on a server at a time, that's it. Yeah. And so you still got that empty world feeling to an extent, except when there's like some giant event where everyone jumps in and then everybody just has a good time and it doesn't seem like the negativity was ever there. So in retrospect, that kind of worked, I guess. So but, uh, PVP works though, where I, I just, I, I don't know if I understand because I don't play on mm-hmm. the public servers that much, but um, it someone can attack you but it's not officially PvP unless you attack back or something? Yeah, so what's happening is somebody can technically attack you, but as long as they're... It really is just going to be kind of smack in the head unless you attack him back and then... Because what it does is it mitigates all the damage he's doing to you. It's more of an annoyance Mm -hmm. um, until you attack him, and then it's full-on PvP. And so your assumption, as was in beta, was people are going to annoy me until I kill them, and then they're going to kill me. You know what I mean? Um, It didn't happen. And what was interesting is, at least my exa- my personal, um, you know, from the beginning, I haven't really had anybody try that. And what was funny was they did have that survival server that was pure PvP and things like that. It was funny. They ended up doing away with it because it wasn't as popular as they thought it was going to be at the beginning because people were like, there's no PvP. I'm not going to play this. So they released this PvP server and then no one jumped into it. And it was kind of funny that way because it kind of was interesting to watch. And then you got the nuclear winner stuff, which really is just sort of like, you know, PUBG with a nuclear twist. And you got the the world building, you know, the, the base building, but it's in a, like a much more pressured sense where there's a circle closing in on you. I, I haven't dabbled with that, but, um, you know, most of the experience I've had has been fairly calm. I've never had anybody try to mess up my stuff. Um, and I'm sure it happens, but... 
when you only got 20 people per server and your interactions are primarily just emotes and really what are they going to do to you it's it's been pretty calm and i think that's kind of cool like if you're playing fallout and the guy's playing fallout you're probably going to be playing it because you both love fallout and so you're going to end up helping each other out yeah. somehow yeah so yeah, it's interesting point. to watch and uh, another thing i i think i know the answer to this but i was you know because we only play maybe two hours a week and we play on that private server. But I could at any point take that character and play on the public servers, right? And it would advance that That's character. exactly right. Okay. In fact, there is no real difference. And see, this is, again, this is a lot of the frequently asked questions that they weren't answering at the yeah. beginning. Like, what is it a different character? Am I on a different server? Well, what it is, it's actually, that's why they had to do it the way they did, is your game is technically the same game in the same world, but the only difference between you being on a private server versus the public, public server is just no one's there with you and so yeah. if if you're on a game and i'm let's say i'm the subscriber and you probably see this if your buddy jumps out and you're on it they're going to give you like a 10 minute warning yeah and then they're going to bump you to another server that's public um and you just pick up where you left off i mean the enemies that spawn maybe it's slightly shifted like you might be in an area where there were feral ghouls but now they're not um but that's really it and so when you pick up stuff in a chest or you buy stuff from a bank Usually it takes 24 hours to reset. So if you pick stuff out of a chest in, say, a barn somewhere and you go to this other server, it's still going to be gone because you just took it. Oh. But tomorrow it'll reset. Um, you know, usually during the day it'll kind of reset that timer. And then, okay, now I can go back and pull stuff out of the chest again because it's been a day. Or if you buy stuff from the banker and he only has 300 caps left, when you go to another server after you leave the private server, he's still going to only have 300 caps because yeah. you already interacted with him it's, it's kind of confusing, but because we are looking at it from an MMO perspective. Yeah, yeah. We're so used to servers being a certain kind that we never saw them be this kind of loose. And yeah. so it's kind of weird to think, it is, it, is it a private server? No, you're just in a private version of the world, but it's still the same world as everybody else's, and you're just going to get you know, bumped to a server where everybody else is on it. But it would be as if, you know, you've probably seen that where you log into the game and it'll be like, oh, you can't build your camp here. Somebody's here right now. Yeah. So will he get, you can either jump to a new server or we'll just bump you in and you can not have your camp or move it. And so that's what it's doing. It's just, you know, spinning you into another server where see if they can find you a free spot. But it's still the same guy, still the same scenario. Yeah. And it's kind of cool once you think about it. They're, the technology behind it's uh, kind of crazy stuff. I think it's fascinating how far they've come you know, with that, I mean, like, again, back to Lotro, you know, it, it's so old school cut and dry where if you want to, you know, switch servers, you have to log off and then you have a different mm -hmm. character on there. And I remember in in World of Warcraft, they had, and I'm going to sound like a total noob because I never played a lot of World of Warcraft, but there was something, mm -hmm. I think it came with Lich King. It was called Phasing, I think, where they had, where, where like you were on an instance that was like a bubble around you. So you could, do you know what I'm talking about? Where where you could go in, like you're you're going through the map, and you you could see things pop up around you. Oh, you know what? There there was it was there were parts of it that were. I know that this happened, and I want to say my experience with it was when you did the uh, when you built the stronghold in the oh, what was that expansion? The one where you basically like reversed the timeline. But the idea was you were still on the same server with the people, but when you entered an instanced area. You'd it would cut you'd all of a sudden be in your own version of that instanced yeah. area, and they would kind of fade into theirs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you were still technically on the same 
server. Yeah, and but it, what and, they would, and it wasn't like a doorway. You didn't go through like a, a right. like a distinct thing. It was like just a bubble around you, where your own. Instance. To you, you would see your own suddenly appear, and he'd yeah. see his own appear. And if you were watching him, he'd fade. Yeah, yeah. And see what's cool that stuff like that. I mean, they started getting clever with stuff like that because one of the things they would do, like you know, one of the biggest problems with MMOs is who do you raid with? You know, like how do you find a group? Well. One of the things that they kind of broke the code on that was they figured out, well, if you're looking for a group and this guy on another server is looking for a group, theoretically, can't we throw you in an instance together, even though you're on different servers? We can throw you, so you don't even have to be on the same server. You can be linked from different servers just for that instance Mm -hmm. uh, part of it. And so I think that's the only part in this game where it can get a little tricky because the way that you build public groups and public operations, you know, to go do stuff, it's still in its infancy. So, you you know, when you're looking for a group, it's still a little bit tricky to kind of, okay, this guy's jumping into a, you know, daily op, but he wants to make a group. Like, how do I, you know, you almost want a little more customization there to like, hey, I'm looking for a group, but I'm only looking to do this. Anybody want to jump in, you know? But um, this game, I think that was the problem, is this game was doing it from such a different perspective that we were using our MMO brain going, oh, you must be doing this. Yeah. So we were all going, why can't we just make a server? Well, who knows how many computers it took to run that private server. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're looking at modding, but again, it's like, gosh, a little more explanation at the beginning could have saved you guys a lot of headache, but, yeah. you know. But it seems like a lot of the instancing technology they finally did in Wastelanders is going to be the way of the future. When you go into the Wayward, you know, that, that bar, that's new. Well, when you go in there, it tells you your area you're going into is instance just for you. And so your story content is going to be your story content. So if you go in there and you do something a certain way, somebody else's just different decision may influence, you know, what they see. Kind of like Guild Wars 2 did with the home instance. You know, oh, yeah, like yeah. depending on your story, you changed pieces you were seeing in your instance, part of your area. But now... And here, and here comes the the glory is the uh, of, of all the fallout is now they got these instanced camps coming, uh, where that's been way overdue. And the main reason for the instance camps, first of all, I mean, who who doesn't want to make a vault? But the instance camp thing, what it does is it takes away that budget of what you can build. You've got all these toys, but you can only build so many of them outside because you don't want to knock down somebody's graphics ability. Well, if it's an instanced area sky's the limit your budget's going to be four times higher than it was outside and so now you can go crazy with it and build all these underground things and these these vaults and now we can see true creativity come out from all these people now will that have the same functionality as a camp where you can move it yes and in fact so what it'll be it won't be too much different than the camp you're already doing because you still got to have a camp i mean you're still going to have aspects to your camp like for example you've you've seen this like um where your camp not only functions as your travel to point um which is nice sometimes you'll use it as a free travel point but the idea is you now you've probably seen have you seen it where you get companions who will show up at your camp yeah i've seen other people's yeah yeah so there's four of them right now and then there's two of them that are tied to quests um and then there's two more coming with the brotherhood of steel one there's like a medic and a chef that are coming and and usually you can only have one active at a time depending on what item of theirs you plop down in your camp to make them appear well um, when you have the instance camps now, you can still put stuff outside, but now suddenly you'll have like a hatch or a vault door. And now you'll have your outdoor stuff because you've got to have a presence out there. It's got to lead somewhere. Yeah. Um, but now you can go into this instance area that starts out like a vault. Uh, basically, it's like a vault atrium. Um, and you can customize 
how it's done up. You can have it like be more like a lobby, like a normal vault. You can make an atrium that's bigger, and now you can go nuts. Now you can start adding like your bar, or, you know, redo all the you know the pieces you snap together. You've got all these different uh, things from the Atom Store that were like you know the diner pieces. You've got like pieces for like a, a Wild West kind of style thing. Well, now you can start customizing all that stuff and building rooms that are more catered to your you know, your creativity, because now you're not having to worry about bogging down someone else's computer by having too much. And so what the instance did was it kind of gave us the ability, okay, we can't necessarily build your budget up because you're going to knock somebody's computer on its head if you have too much going on. But if we put you in instanced area, we can take away all the processing that goes into like keeping track of what's happening around you. And you're just in an instanced area. So now you can do tons, tons more with pieces you plonk down or things you build for your base and what's what's crazy is it's kind of like minecraft like just when you think you've seen it all you'll find somebody's base where you're like i never thought of doing that with my stuff you know and some of the bases are just insane and when they added player vendors that was a huge piece because now suddenly you know there are these items that you couldn't buy in the game like for example recipes you buy recipes or you find plans well you couldn't sell them to a vendor you can't sell ammo to a vendor either well, what were you? So what you were seeing was people were just getting tons of ammo and just plopping on the ground because who cares, right? Well, now you can give it to a vendor. I can buy it from you, um, and not only that, I can. If you see on the main map when you hover over their camp, it'll actually tell you, like it'll show in parentheses if it has a little cap symbol. It means they've got a vendor, and it'll actually show you how many of each item that they're selling. So it might say like they're selling 80 plans and a thousand ammo. Well, that means. They're selling 80 plans of some type and different kinds of ammo are for sale there too. So you can kind of gauge, oh, this guy's selling plans. I'll go check him out. Hmm. And so there was all this customization ability that was added, you know, for the vendors and stuff like that. And they've had a lot more pieces for your camp come out. It's been a lot more, you know, at the beginning, we kind of started out with rudimentary, you know, warehouse pieces and wooden pieces and now we've got like diner pieces and neon signs and yeah it's just been a lot of fun yeah so what um so besides the brotherhood of steel content mm-hmm. what else do we have to look forward to that they've announced so what that so they've kind of got this so one of the things that they did um they actually did one of the things so um one of the biggest critical things that people had with the game and I, you, you've probably messed with this already. So your perk card system. Yeah. It was a, it was a clever idea. It was a clever idea to be able to make it so you could swap in and out functionality. It's also a little confusing and cumbersome at times, because you're kind of like, wait, so I have perk cards that I, that are limited. I can only have a certain amount based on how what my special is at that time, but I can level up these cards to make them more powerful cards. And so you kind of get the hang of it. But you were kind of like. Well, how many times have you done it where you might have a card that doubles how much ammo you make, but, oh, crap, I forgot to put my other card back. Yeah, you know, I swapped that one in, and then I I forgot to swap it back out, so now I'm getting radiation damage twice as much because I forgot to put my radiation card in, you know? And so one of the things that I've been waiting for for a while that they hadn't done yet, and they're about to do on the next, not the patch coming up, but the one after that, is they're doing um, basically like perk templates. Kind of like you do in oh, yeah. Guild Wars, where you switch between different outfits. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could actually, you know, I want this armor for this, but this armor for that. So it's like that with the perk cards. So you'd have like a crafting perk setup, and then you save that, and then you'd have your going out and raid perk setup, so all your cards snap into place how they should. Yeah. Um, so that's coming, but they just added legendary perks, which that was a nice one. So basically, 
not only do you have your perk cards, but you have legendary perks that unlock every 50 levels that will give you just a little bit extra customization to maybe make your character a little more unique. Hmm. So you might have like, okay, I unlock a legendary perk that gives me even more agility than the original game let me have, but mine might be like, you, while you have more agility, I might have picked one that made it so I have more radiation protection than, than I would have had. And so it kind of gives you a little more customization ability. But there's the problem with this game is there's some of the best stuff is hiding behind the initial part of the game. And so there's little bits and pieces that were kind of what made it really click for me. But you until you see it, you kind of don't know it's there. Like, for example, have you done anything with the Possum Scouts yet? No. So there's this whole backstory um, that's kind of hiding. And you were looking at it, and you probably didn't know it. But, like, anytime you're at a... At a uh, uh, train station, there's these posters on the wall. One is for a speakeasy at the college. One is for somebody claiming that they saw the sheep squatch that killed their brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's one for the possum scouts. Well, all three of these st- trigger, uh, once you're at a point at a certain level, these will trigger quest lines. Well, the possum scouts one sends you off to meet these like robotic, um, basically they're boy scout leaders and you actually will earn merit badges. So like like archery merit badge, you have to build a bow and then you have to like go kill a certain amount of enemies with that bow. And then once you unlock that merit badge, you can get like a backpack for your guy. That's a little like possum scouts backpack or whatever. And yeah. so there's all these like, and then the speakeasy thing at the college, there's a, a robot there that once a day will have you try certain kinds of, he, he's a totally drunk robot, like a brain bot, but he's, he's floating in like vodka. <laughs> But he'll actually have you try, he'll teach you how to make new alcohol stuff. Well, you don't know this stuff is there until you get partway through the game and then you're like, oh, I didn't know this quest line existed. And so that's one of the things about this game is you sort of kind of go through the main quest line stuff and then you start to get to the meat and potatoes of it. And then you're like, oh, that's cool. I didn't even know that this existed. And then that's kind of one more piece that kind of clicks it into place. But I think for, I think for me, it's I like it because... It's casual. It plays well to casual, but it also plays well to like the diehards. Like if you want to spend four hours, you could. But if you only want to jump in for a little bit, it's relaxing. Yeah. It caters well to that. So, yeah. Yeah, I can see. That was that. a lot. So hopefully, I, I was kind of jumping around there, but uh, you know, but uh, you know, this kind of, it, it ended up kind of being like this is like everybody's like, hey, if you haven't played it, here's your ten tips for yeah you know what to watch for is there any, anything else in the game that you kind of ran into that you weren't sure about no i i think you know i feel like i haven't gotten into too much yet because you know we when we play you know we're a bunch of friends have been friends for years and we, we get together and we kind of chat and while we're playing and then we'll we'll kind of notice things are i think one guy played it a lot and he but he hasn't played it in a while so he'll he'll be like oh i think i remember this this part um you know, let's try this out or something. And then a couple of us haven't played it before at all. So we're, it's all new to us, but I just, I think it's, there's a, it seems like there's a lot, this is kind of my first impressions. There's a lot there, you know, like you said, you see these things while you're following that main quest line. And then all of a sudden you get 10 more quests and you're like, okay, which one do we focus? I guess, you know, that's an MMO trope anyway, but um, it's just, it just seems like there's so much going on where as the, you know, the single player, you know, with, with uh, fallout four and three and new Vegas and everything, 
you can kind of take your time and you can say, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to s- set these quests aside in my mind. I'm going to focus on this one. And then later I can do this. Well, when you're playing with your friends, you know, you're like, okay, go, you know, go, 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 go. And you just kind of, everybody yeah. goes and you, and you can't, and then you, then your inventory is full and then you can't run. And so you're st- sitting there trying to figure out your inventory and everybody else has left you behind. And like, that's the kind of stuff that makes it seem like a, and maybe I'm just old also but <laughs> it makes it seem like it's more of a fast-paced game than uh than the single player version you know and it, and it seems like it's it's the single player version pasted in and i and one side i like that and but the other part i kind of it, it's a little jarring um well and i think that, and this might help because one of the things that again we're coming from like the mmo world but yeah. we're also coming from the single player world so there's some stuff in the game that i wish i'd understood because i didn't understand you know i'd find certain quests and go okay am i limited on when i can do this what about this quest over here how when do i pass this off or yeah. you know um and so what you're going to run into and this is this is probably the best way to explain it you're going to have your main overarching storyline mm-hmm. which is where you're following you know, you're 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 following between factions. You're talking to the first responders. Then you're meeting the people who are the raiders. Then you're going to find out what happened in the Brotherhood. Things like that. Uh, or in the um, like, there's the 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 free states guys. Well, that main quest is getting you acclimated to the world. Then you have the quest line that popped in from Wastelanders, which is this separate storyline that's supposed to piggyback that, but can be done anytime. Yeah. Um, and that's the story about the gold somewhere being hidden in the hills and that actually is sort of its own thing but so beyond that um you're going to have quests that are going to show up on your dailies and the kicker is you don't have to worry about those if you don't want to they will always be there and if you go out and do like these random little daily quests um and you'll see them on the list for your quests under dailies there'll be ones where they might have you go um you know, they might have like a guy, there's a guy at this pumpkin house who wants you to grab pumpkins for him, things like that. Well, yeah, you can pass those off, but tomorrow he might ask for it again. And those ones, those are just kind of for fun. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing I wish I'd been told is eventually, um, so eventually, and you probably saw this in Wastelanders trailer, you're going to end up choosing, there's these two factions, there's there's the guys at uh, Foundation who are the settlers, and then there's the raiders at Crater. And you're going to end up in the midst of the storyline with the gold be like choosing faction between the two. Well, I went into this thinking that, you know, we played these other games. When you blew up Megaton, you messed up Megaton's storyline. You you, yeah. you lost that. Yeah. Well, this game isn't that... Uh, this game is much more forgiving. So not only are your decisions really not going to affect it, it's in your best interest to try to kind of max out faction with both sides. And then the final quest that you do where you choose one versus the other isn't going to affect you in a negative way with the other and so you can stay allied to both and so i was stressing out about what quest that was doing and how should i do this and what it came down to is most of the game caters to whenever you want (laughs) and and nothing there's no really no pressure and even the main storyline it's really just there to kind of get you acclimated up into the point that nukes you can fire nukes and and the idea is it's still just the start and it's kind of like like, what's a good example? It's kind of like where you would play a game when, like, okay, like, you know, a game like uh, like Guild Wars, for example, you really, to get up, you, you max out your level, but once you're there, that's when the game really starts, is oh, once yeah. you kind of maxed out your level and you're the end game stuff. This is like that. Hmm. Um, and so the nice thing is, most of those quests, except for the story ones, you can go back and do again, but even then, it's like, 
There's no pressure. You could break away from the main story and come back later, and it won't punish you. Hmm. And that's, I wish I'd known that because I felt compelled to finish it a certain way before I did other stuff and then went, oh, I didn't know I could do this. Yeah. So one thing I would, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I I feel like we're we're so casual with this game that we just jump into whatever. We we decide while we're there, you know, what are we going to do? And it's not always the main storyline, but there will be times when we just do an event for the night, you know, and we'll, we'll just have fun with that or we'll go and... Just you know, we see something off in the distance. We're like, "Wow, that looks cool. Let's go check that out." And I love that about this game. You know, there's so much. Like, yes. Like I'm, I'm kind of complaining about so much to do, but at the same time, I love that there's so much to do because you can play. Like you said, you can play this for such a. There's so much content you can play it forever, and I like that. Yeah, and you don't want to be the type that's a completionist. I mean, have oh, fun yeah. with it. Just enjoy as you go. And even when you complete it, it's it's still not technically. You're you really don't complete it. It's just the next you're to the point where you can go to the stuff that's kind of more routine and the stuff that's routine you know in fallout 4 when you beat the main story and you had the radiant quest where it's like okay bring me back more fuel and it's like all right well now i'm just spinning my wheels here and this the radiant quest stuff is the stuff where really most of the game is and one of the things i i would say is like watch for the stuff that really plays well to kind of like hey what do i want to do today have you have you done the public workbench stuff yet have you messed with that yet uh i don't think so what do you, what so do you this mean? is one thing I wish I had known already. So there's, so you have your camps, and then there's public camps, and there's about twenty something of them around the map, um, and you've probably run into them. Um, one of them is like, anytime there's a nuclear power plant, it'll tell you like, hey, there's a camp here, and no one's grabbed it. Usually, what you're doing is you're grabbing control of this camp, and the, re- you know, my first thought was, why do I care? Well, because each camp has amenities that come oh, with it. Yeah. Where, yeah. So for example, one might have like places where you can drop a um, a harvester and you in, yeah. in addition to your camp well there's there's a couple of them that are unique and that they're not just camps there's actually quests tied to them um, and if you ever done the nuclear power plants have this where there's a quest to get the power plant running and if you do it the payoff is now you can start making power cores for uh-huh. your for your power armor yeah and then there's one where there's a there's basically a food factory where you can bring it on you can, if you drop a generator in there um you can now power the food machine and tell it to start cranking out cram you know oh, yeah. um my and my personal favorite is the excavator that giant excavator you see up in the mountains mm-hmm. when you take control of that there's a quest to get it running and then you have to defend it for like an hour and then in the meantime all the ore it digs up is yours and so there are these public workbenches that actually have functionality that are kind of underlying hidden, where once you get them, you'll start finding out like, okay, there's a lot of these camps that really I don't care what's in them, but there's a few of them where it's like, ooh, I like that one, because there's a reason, a tactical reason why, you know, you may want to get that camp, because you do want to get together and try to get the power plant going, or you do need power cores. Um, yeah. And plus you get you unlock, anytime you do this, when you do a public workbench or you unlock it, usually right after you do it you have to defend it yeah, yeah. as a quest well the defense quest is where you're going to get a lot of your blueprints oh okay so there's a there's another reason so they're fun there yeah. there's a lot to it there there's a, there's a lot hidden under the hood of that game a lot of like fun little things you can pick up whether they're you know paint jobs for your guns or your your power armor or little easter eggs here and there yeah but uh there's the only thing i wish is i'm like Where's my Nuka World, man? This would be the perfect place to be running around Nuka World with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's, it's you jumped in at a good time. The Brotherhood of Steel stuff comes out next month along with the instanced camps. And yeah, I think this is the beginning of some pretty crazy story stuff. They say they've got stuff planned out for a little while. See, I, we have our characters that we play once a week and we, you know, we don't play them any other time, but I'm thinking about making another character just to, just to play, you know, just to advance kind of on the side. Yeah. Uh, Cause it seems so interesting. Like you're saying. Well, and that's the nice thing. The level is arbitrary. You're going to meet guys. And when I first played, I'm like, God, there's guys are level 150. Yeah. It really has no bearing on anything like an MMO would. Um, all it means, cause obviously you can't get past a certain amount of special points. But past that, every five you get, you get more perk cards, and all it means is the guy who's level two hundred just happened to have more perk cards, and it's just a way to kind of gauge how much you have. And so at the end of the day, you know, I might be level fifty and you're two hundred. Does that mean you're way, way more powerful? Probably not. You're still, you might have the game down a little better and have more blueprints than me because you've seen more. But you know, level is a little bit arbitrary, especially now where everything matches you. That's that changed everything. That's been great. Yeah. So, but no, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. We'll have to, we'll have to, one of these days, maybe we'll have to jump in with a bunch of people from the community and just run around on Christmas or something. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. I'm really glad we got to do this and, and talk more about it. Cause you know, like you said, the communication wasn't there and there are some things here and there that I was kind of confused on, but um, I, I just, I should have known. All I had to do is talk to Jonathan about it and <laughs> get to know what it is. But, uh, yeah, if you want to, uh, check us out, uh, we have the website through the where you can see all the show notes for each of these episodes. And also there's, uh, the Gmail, there's ttaftermath at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group. And, uh, and you can check us out there. If you go to the website, though, that has links to all this diff- different stuff. And you can also subscribe to the, uh, you know, the RSS. But there's also a player in each episode that where you can play the episode directly, you know, straight from the show notes of each one. So, yeah, so yeah, definitely check that out. And uh, hopefully it won't be another eight months before we make another episode. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it will. Actually, it's funny. I, I felt bad that it had been eight. I was like, God, it has been eight, hasn't it? So we we don't anticipate that happening quite the same last time. I think it was just kind of a whirlwind for everybody. And yeah. so, you know, whew. But yeah, yeah, next time we talk, hopefully it'll be, uh, you know, in, in, in much sooner and in a better situation uh, for the future, you would think. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. No, who who knows what 2021 will bring? We have no I idea. know. I just wait till we, like, this is the okay, case, guys. We're going to look forward here. Just wait for the, the vaccine episode because I, <laughs> I want to be able to say that. And then, like, when we have it, we can be like, oh, my God, we never thought we'd get here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'll be like, hey, we made it. We made it. You know, <laughs> we did it. So, you know, there, there'll be that, you know, the special or something, the, the, the live stream. And then there will be uh, the, the mutations after the vaccine episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then it'll be like, okay, now this time, except, and then we'll be like, oh, look, the the, the lockpicks weigh a pound. So we're right on cue. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but until then, uh, we're going to call this one an episode. And uh, we'll just say, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And so this is Sean. And this is Jonathan. Saying stay alive out there and don't lose the power cores. Thank you.
lose the power cores? What the hell? What did that even make sense? 